Welcome to the Speaks Exchange podcast with your host, Donald Taylor. As a renowned learning and development industry expert, as well as chairman of the Learning and Performance Institute, Donald sits down with experts from around the globe to talk business communication, learning technology, language, digital transformation, and engaging, upskilling, and reskilling your organization. This podcast is brought to you by Speaks, the first intelligent language learning platform for the digital workplace. Listen in and you might learn a thing or two. Welcome to this episode of the Speaks Exchange podcast with me, your host, Donald Taylor. And today I have with me Elisabetta Garley, who's Group Executive Vice President at Banco Santander, responsible for knowledge development and talent management across the group. Really excited to have you with us, Elisabetta, sharing your thoughts about setting yourself up for success in digital transformation. Great to have you with us. Thank you so much, Dan, for inviting me. Yeah, I I will be very happy to share some ideas and some lessons learned in my journey through a digital transformation in Santander, a very, very intense journey. So to set up ourselves for success, uh, the most important thing is to have a clear purpose and a clear vision for the future. Mm. So you have to be behind you, senior leaders convinced that this transformation is what it is needed for the organization because, because a transformation is something is something intense. So yeah. really bring brings you in, in a kind outside your comfort zone. You have to suffer a lot, you know, to to discuss, to put you yourself and your staff in discussion. So strong sponsorship, strong purpose, vision for the future. And this vision must be communicated very well in order to be clear. Now, let's talk about that vision for a moment. So you mentioned the importance of a vision in digital transformation. That doesn't just come into your head from nowhere, does it? Where should it come from? And how do you make sure then that you communicate it properly? Yeah, absolutely. The vision, the purpose for the future should come from the top of the house. Hmm. And it must be in this way. And this is what happened in Santander because it was uh, July 2018 when the president uh, declared publicly in a big town hall and then it was published outside the Santander in the newspaper, etc. that the new purpose for the company vision was to become an open financial services platform. And this was a big jump because Santander used to be a very important global commercial bank. Well, it still is an important commercial bank, but of course, and the world it, is, of finance has it is absolutely one of the first in the ranking in the worldwide ranking. But you know, uh, becoming an open financial services platform implied really something a big change, a big mm. transformation in all the aspects of the organization. So, the organizational design, skills, roles, business paradigms, etc., services. And together with this announcement, the president also triggered six initiatives. She called them strategic initiatives for the future, for the transformation. And one of the six initiatives was uh, focused on people, especially on on upskilling, reskilling. Basically, she said, we know already that uh, we have to make a massive effort uh, on upskilling and reskilling of our workforce. Uh, the skills that we need to uh, enable the transformation are totally new skills. And we need to nurture these skills inside and also attract people from outside. And she got to the point that she 
declared officially, I want to have in Santander the best ever upskilling reskilling platform, the state of, uh, of the art of this kind of platform. And so this was, let's say, the trigger point for us uh, to start working very intensively on the project, even though, to tell you the truth, this was already on paper because when I was called in Santander the year before, I was called to transform the, the function mm. and to start uh, digitalizing knowledge and development for Santander. So let's say this announcement has been kind of... Uh, a moment of truth, a big push from the top of the house to go in that direction. Well, that's great. You have a vision which is right from the top. That's fantastic. So everyone is bought into it. And you know that it's going where you think it should be going. So you, you understand that it's it's right. And you've already been doing some work along these lines anyway. What's then going to make the transformation for getting people to come on board and follow this movement from everything being physical or largely physical to being digital in the future. Some people would say, well, it's the technology that's crucial here. What, from your point of view, is the most important part of making that transformation? I think that the most important part is uh, having in place a robust change management plan and a communication plan. Okay. You have to communicate and to communicate a lot, touching different parts of the organization, tailoring the communication to the different, different audiences in the, in the organization. And this is what we did. So basically, we we spent several months in, in talking to people, listening to people, making research, and understanding what was uh, what was the people wanted in terms of uh, having a, an upskilling reskilling platform in place. What they expected from something like that. And in the meantime, we wanted to be sure that people in general workforce could connect the vision, the declared vision of our president to the need of the transformation. Because sometimes this is not so evident. You know, mm -hmm. you have, you have to, to be very specific and to create the link. And this is what we did. Communication plan, change management plan. I, I really, I'm so glad you said that because of course, although I'm deeply involved with learning technology, they, any implementation survives or fails based on exactly those two things. Change mm -hmm. management plan, and the communication plan. Let's just be clear about communication. A communication plan doesn't mean you're sending an email to everybody in the organization once a month. For mm -hmm. you, what does a communication plan involve, Elisabetta? I think the first thing is to, to segment the mm. population and to identi identify the groups of the portion of the organization you have to communicate, making very clear why and what. And because Depending on the audience, you might touch different points, being coherent. So the journey must be coherent. The storytelling must be coherent because it must be true and yes. must be authentic. You, you, know? can't, you can't say one thing to one person, something else to something, somebody else, no. Yeah, exactly. And, and start really restlessly talking to these people, explaining and being available to listen and to right. answer their questions. That listening bit's really important, isn't it? Because without that, you, well, with it, you get the opportunity to, to change the messaging and to understand how your messaging is going across to people. If you're not listening, then you're on broadcast all the time and you may be missing the target. Is that right? 
Absolutely. And I think that what helped us a lot was uh, the research part, because uh, when we decided to go for the uh, new ecosystem and the new platform, we uh, started a research with a big sample of our population inside Santander, but also we touch also a, um, a population outside Santander, some target groups for us. And basically, we wanted to understand, especially from our employees, what they expected. So talking about uh, an upskilling, reskilling platform and a new learning and development ecosystem, what are your thoughts? What would you expect? What would be super important for you? What would be looking for? And so we gather a lot of good information and data, helping us to design the roadmap. Right. to get to the minimum viable product. This has been very important. And I think that uh, this piece must be part of any transformation process. It's what's usually called the understanding part or the discovery part of a change management. Yeah. The thing that comes right up front, without it, you're solving the wrong problem in the wrong way because you exactly. go with what your, what, your what your presuppositions are about it. You've got great change management in place. You have great communications in place. You go out there, you start doing it. How do you know? Because it's you're going to hit bumps in the road. When you hit a bump in the road, what gets you over that? What helps you get to the next stage? If I think about the difficulties we had to, to, to manage and to go through, so a little bit of lesson learned, I think that one of the most important piece is to identify very clearly the interdependencies. Hmm. So... What are the processes that can impact or affect the transformation process? Because at the beginning, you are so enthusiastic now with the vision, with the plan, and you are already envisioning the fantastic product you might deliver. But there are aspects that must be considered at the beginning. So identifying the processes, for instance, purchasing, budgeting, technology. So integration with pre-existing platforms. You know, all these aspects must be considered, mapped, and you have to identify the key stakeholders and start working with them at the very early stage. So we start with the grand vision. We have our communication plan. We have our change management plan. But when it comes to doing things, yeah, you've got to get practical. Uh, work out how I love that the process is affected the interdependencies and then the stakeholders involved in each one we know that your sponsors your stakeholders understanding them are essential or is essential it's essential to understand them how do you know who's going to affect the transformation program how do you go out and understand your organization to know that uh, in this department it's these people uh, over there it's somebody else what how do you do that because most people regardless of where they work, don't have that breadth of view of the organization. You have to go and, and find it out, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's a very good point because, as you know, Dan, in, in any organization, especially in the big organization, there is a formal org chart and an <laughs> informal org chart. So you might read or go through the formal org chart and you can identify the head of, the head of, etc. But this is not enough. You have to use your network. You have to develop a relationship inside the companies in order to identify who are the real drivers for the different processes. And this is something we, we did. Probably we, we should have done it a little bit early, earlier in the process, but you know, it has been a kind of learning curve also for us. 
And uh, when you have identified these real, the real drivers of change, you have to spend time, quality time with them. It's a, it's a job in the job. So you have to sit down to listen, to organize, uh, uh, I don't know, a lunch or a coffee together and really spend and invest the real quality time to create a strong relationship based on trust mm-hmm. because these people will be functional will be really really incredible criti- incredibly critical for the success of the initiative and down the road you will want to share information with them tell them how things are developing you want to get their feedback from them at some point you may have a problem which you want their help with you don't want the first conversation you have with them to be oh hello mr smith i need you to help me and there's no trust there's no relationship so you build the relationship first in most organizations l and d is seen as a training department that does courses mm. if you want to go and have lunch or even a cup of coffee with the person who runs it is that always easy how do you persuade them just to give you the time this is another important point uh, done and we did it and we did it through a kind of awareness awareness test I carry out with my with my team hmm. so they got aware they had to evolve and they had to develop new skills and um, that's why I invited all of them to go through the performance consulting course and to get certified together with our other courses because when you sit with your stakeholder with the IT guys for instance you have to demonstrate you are competent Mm -hmm. You can talk about data, you can talk about all the elements, numbers, paths, figures, research, projections. You have to, to speak the same language and you have to convince them that you are not the lady serving coffee or, or organizing an event and delivering courses. You are somebody who is competent and can talk about serious stuff and technical stuff with them. And for understands the business. Exactly, exactly. This is true for all the stakeholders. So you have to learn how to talk to the different stakeholders, to use their language and to be really prepared to do that. Which are the important stakeholders in an organization departments or the the areas that you should really focus on the most important Uh, the the leadership team because uh, they need uh, to support you they have to support you and you need them and and i want i want to talk about that in a moment and then uh, you have also to talk uh, to the employees so you have to be sure the employees are on board and you have to create a kind of expectation for them, kind of teaser campaign that can really trigger the appetite for them to, to, to get to the, uh, to the final product and to have them as testimonials, evangelists, uh, working with them on a regular basis in order to keep them informed, like a kind of, you know, group of, of testimonials or pressure group, public opinion group in the company. And then you have to talk with, uh, with the people who can really help you or put barriers, like the purchase guys. So... Every time you go through a transformation, you have to talk uh, with new vendors, technology vendors, content vendors. Yeah. And uh, uh, depending on the process you have in the company, this, this journey can be smooth and flawless or can be a nightmare. So don't wait for it to, be, to develop hiccups and become a nightmare. Build the relationship first because who knows yeah. what might happen. You mentioned there 
that with your group of stakeholders, some will be enthusiastic and others potentially are blockers. How do you get blockers on side or is it enough just to keep them neutral or to try to avoid them? What's the best approach? The best approach for me is to carry out a serious stakeholder mapping. Right. And when I say serious, it's because shouldn't be treated like, you know, some kind of homework, thick the box. I have done it. No, no. This is serious. You have to sit down with your team and with your people you trust to identify all the players and to define a strategy in order to take them on board. My personal experience is that you can, once you have identified your the people who are not supportive or are against, you cannot be a dreamer and think that you can take everyone on board. Right. But having them neutral could be enough sometimes. And again, you have to understand what are the drivers for, the, for these people. Because the driver can be that simply they don't know about the topic. They don't want to admit they don't know. And so they are not open to learn something, right. something new. Or in the, in the worst cases, you might understand that it's simply a power game. And they don't want to, to drop or to let the power go. And, and this very often is a misperception. So they, they don't really understand that they are not losing power. On the contrary, the power will be bigger for the company and for all the elements of the company, all the uh, the employees, uh, the leadership team, etc. Now you have to understand the drivers and to define a real strategy for each of them. Absolutely, and that's back to the performance consulting ideas, the mm -hmm. ability to go and really listening to people, really understanding. Yeah. Not necessarily taking their first answer, but asking another question, mm -hmm. dwelling on their response, listening and hearing what they're not saying as well as what they're saying, so that you can really understand what's making them tick. You also mm -hmm. mentioned, Elisabetta, the idea of being in touch with the users, the people, the, the regular employees out there, to make mm -hmm. sure that you're understanding what's driving them and how they're reacting to the change feeds as well. Mm -hmm. How do you do that in a organization as large as Santander? We, we identify different uh, segments of the organization. The first segment uh, we involved and considered was uh, the segment of the, the top of the house, the, the top managers, more or less 250 people. And we started making an experiment for them. For the first time ever, they were invited uh, not to a workshop, a physical workshop in our headquarters as it was before, but to enter a digital platform and to start a kind of self-service based uh, training and development, development uh, itinerary. And uh, it was a kind of bet. Uh, I was quite positive and actually, after the first moment in which they were a little bit uh, unsure and not very relaxed, they started using this uh, platform, this test platform, and they, they were comfortable to do that. They continued and the results were, were good. So uh, what, I, what I could see is that many people were not digital natives at all, and probably they were considered as, uh, I don't know, super critical with everything was digital, in the end, they managed to understand, to use the digital media and to take advantage of that. They found value in right. this proposal. 
And so this was the part of the top of the house. The other segment we, uh, we interviewed and we talked to was uh, the uh, segment of the potential early users, early adopters. So mm. people who could have the characteristics uh, uh, for being digital, interested in the new media, etc. And uh, um, actually they were very, very useful to us because they, they give us a lot of inputs and information. And then you have to consider people in the middle. So people who are not digital natives, but they are not, let's say, at the top of the house. They are in the middle of the organization and they have to understand what is the value for them of having a new ecosystem of learning and development. And uh, the, the critical element for them was to understand that they could pull out information whenever they want it, and, and also with different media, and the concept of a democ democratization of learning. So moving from a situation in which they were invited to, to make, I don't know, to have some courses very often in mandatory training, so topics that were uh, compulsory by law, to be, to be in the driving seat and to decide what they wanted to learn and when, and pulling from a notion on, of knowledge that was totally, totally new for them. And they really uh, liked that. And they were looking forward to that. So there are a number of things that are going on there. One of which is obviously that you're continuing the research almost that you did right at the beginning of the program, the discovery piece. You're keeping in touch with people, finding out what works for them, what doesn't work. So that's valuable. But in addition, you're growing an army of people who are enthusiastic users who will go out and persuade other people and will be seen by the people to be using a system exactly. that is helping them. So they become part of your sales force almost in the organisation, part yeah. of your communications plan. Yeah, indeed. I want to give you an example. So you you know that we launched uh, the Young Leaders Program. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the, the Emerging Leaders for Santander, um, digital natives with a clear attitude to use, uh, to consume digital learning, etc. I organized a workshop, a virtual workshop uh, with all of them, about 280 people, in which I explained to them the new concept, what we wanted to achieve, and the technology part, and the and the subject matter experts, and the role of these people in the in this new ecosystem, they understood immediately. They immediately got the value of what we were preparing, and they got excited. And I received a lot of email, person personal email, simply asking me, "What can I do to help you? Mm. I want to be part of that." You and can't. I, you can't buy that sort of support. That's fantastic. No, and I was almost sure that they would have been interested, but I was uh, surprised <laughs> by the enthusiasm. I'm pleasantly surprised. What about the people? Well, there will be some times when you've got people in one department who are not enthusiastic or they are enthusiastic, but something changes in that group. So let's say, let's say it's the IT department. This is not a reference to your IT department, but very often in organizations I've, I've known, there's a problem when you have a relationship with one person in IT Let's say they leave. Suddenly the relationship is gone and you have to go back to square one almost with that department. How do you how do you prevent that risk occurring? What do you do early on to make sure that if somebody leaves, you still have a relationship with the department? Yeah, this is this is another critical point, And this happened, actually, uh, along the journey. Um, 
So we started having not only one single point of contact for in each department, uh, but to have at least two people. And so we, we created uh, uh, micro teams in all the key departments. And uh, this adds uh, a double advantage. First of all, that we could have a kind of replacement just in case, not yep. in the worst ca uh, case, but also we managed to take on board more people and to engage these people really in the process, in the nitty gritty of the process of transformation. And this created a lot of enthusiasm and, and sense of being part of something bigger that was uh, that got viral. So it, it is what I have learned from this experience is that the acceptance, the enthusiasm of the people in the middle of the organization, so the middle matrix people was really very high, very encouraging. And they have been the real engine of this transformation, much more uh, than the top of the house of, of the, or the critical people, you know, the very powerful people. There's been a kind of push from, from the middle. And it's uh, very often, too often, the middle mm -hmm. is overlooked because it is the, neither the people who are using a system nor the people who are the key people at the yeah. top. But also, it's a bit difficult getting hold of them. But you made the effort, you, you did the work, you got hold of them, you found out what they were doing, and that made it possible then to drive forward the programme. By the way, we're talking without referencing the programme that you actually uh, implemented at Santander. Do you want to quickly tell us, I know it's a massive programme, do you want to quickly tell us something about it to just put flesh on the bones of this theory? Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that the, the, the very important thing is to start and be very consistent and coherent in a kind of education process. Right. So continuous education. And, and you have to touch all the different segments and you have to give them the elements for them to develop critical thinking, to understand very well in a very deep way, what is the value of, of the product, of the ecosystem you want to produce, what is in it for them? And this can be very different depending on the, on the segment, on the groups. And, and continue to educate these people and being always very, very available and open to accept questions and to answer questions as, as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So uh, every time we organized uh, meetings, uh, virtual face-to-face -face meetings uh, with our different stakeholders, and this was... On, on a week basis. So every, every day, basically, we had one of these meetings. We presented something coming from the previous meeting in order to give answers. And we received another 100 answers, <laughs> you know. So it was a kind of limitless curiosity that was, on one hand, a very good symptom of and high interest for the topic. And you have to be very punctual to answer, to be, if you don't know something, you have to admit, guys, this is new for me. Let me investigate. I, I don't have an answer. So for me, it's what is important is to be really sincere, open, candid, in order to create this, this uh, partnership based on trust. And because I think you... we manage, we manage to do that because we have always been judged uh, trustworthy people 
probably sometimes pain in the neck, yes, for sure, but, but uh, equally sure that we were considered competent people, very, very transparent, uh, very open and candid, and so no tricks uh, and no, no stories, no? And if you try at the beginning of the process to say, oh, uh, you come up with an answer to a question, rather than saying, I don't know, I'll come back to you, I'll find out. That will undermine the trust right at the start. And my phrase on this is always that trust arrives on a tortoise and leaves on a horse. It takes a long time to build it up, but you can go in a moment. Mm. So it, you just have to absolutely build it. With each encounter, you earn it each time you speak to somebody. Elisabetta, this is a real eye-opener. It will be a real eye-opener for a lot of people on this listening to this podcast, because they will be imagining that digital transformation starts with technology. You're saying it starts with change management. It starts with mm. a good communications plan. It starts with understanding the people in your organization. Technology will always be there to make things happen, won't it? To sum up your experience of doing this in more than one large organization, what would you say to people is the first thing they should do if they need to start moving their organization towards a digital basis for its learn? What is the first thing they should do? I am... I think that a clear and strong mandate. So there is a clear need of uh, understanding uh, that the, the change, the transformation is not an option. Mm -hmm. In our case, was a kind of burning platform. So we had the real case of burning platform and make sure that this is shared and everyone is aligned around that, especially the key people. And as I said, talking, communicating, change management. And it's true that technology is not the most important ingredient, but you have to invest time also to choose the right technology. Because I give you an example in parallel, because we, we launched several war streams, as you can imagine, Don. I had some people working on deciding what kind of technology we needed according to the requirements we had. And so we started meeting with vendors, excellent vendors, global vendors of technology of platforms, but we, we landed in the end on the only one platform that could give us the right link with the key requirements we had. For instance, being a connector. So we didn't want to replace any kind of little platforms we already had. We wanted just to create a connector in order to plug the local ecosystem. We wanted to preserve the good stuff we had already on board and, and simply to work uh, to, to, I don't know, to curate uh, or to upgrade what we had and, of course, to buy what we didn't have. And also, an important element for us was uh, the multi-language. So for Santander, yeah. it was super important to have an offer that were in multiple languages, not only in English or in Spanish, you know? So we had three requirements and, and we spent... Uh, good time and quality time to select the right vendor this is also another important aspect to consider i always say the technology will make it happen that's true but of course you have to get the right technology mm -hmm. that's also true so thank you for raising yeah. that elizabeth it's been absolutely wonderful listening to this insight hard one from experience about how to get your digital 
transformation of learning underway. Can I just ask you a couple of final questions that we ask all guests on the Speaks Exchange podcast? Yeah. Firstly, what do you wish you'd known when you started working in learning and development? If you refer to this transformation process, I wish I would have known in the very first days what was the real situation. So to identify the couple of people that I really underestimated or simply I didn't realize they could impact. Right. And start working with them with a lot of love, a lot of engagement, but from the very, very early days. Wow, that's a really strong endorsement for the idea of understanding the the power and the, the influence yeah. makeup of your organization. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the other question, which we always ask is, what are you curious about right now in, in, let's say in professional workplace learning, because you may be curious about a lot of things, cuisine, photography, I don't know, but in workplace learning, what, what's really exciting you at the moment? In this moment, I am very cu- curious about uh, what is going to happen in the next future. So yeah. the COVID pandemic taught us a lot. So everyone uh, has become uh, a digital expert because it has been a kind of uh, need, another burning platform. Uh, So I have learned that there is no limit for people. If you want, if you have to, you can progress, you can learn. I would like to understand, and I'm curious to to continue to to look at uh, the, the future in terms of, is this something we will keep in the future? Or shall we get back one day when the the COVID pandemic will be over? I think this new way of learning will stay with us even after the COVID, when we will have uh, the cure and whatever, because uh, it is clear that it's efficient, Mm -hmm. it's effective, and it's really solving a lot of issues that are not related to the pandemic at all, that are related to, I don't know, being more efficient with your budget or traveling less because traveling is a waste yeah. of time, you know? Being more inclusive if you're... Um, more if inclusive. You if you can't move easily or if you're looking after your kids yeah. or your parents. Exactly. Being much more easygoing and organizing, I don't know, moments like this or, or webinars or, or workshop in a very easy way inviting people from all over the world in a snap. You know, this is something I think will stay with us. And I would like, I am really curious to to see what will happen and what the future has uh, uh, ready for us. Well, I'll tell you what, Elizabeth, let's get you back on the podcast in a year's time. We'll look back and we'll say we were wondering how far we would move back and how far we would move forward after COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Let's come back and let's let's do an assessment of, of the change that happened. That's been wonderful. Listen, it's been wonderful to chat, to listen, to, to really get these insights from you based on that hard-won experience. Thank you so much, Elizabeth Agali, Group Executive Vice President, Global Head of Knowledge, Development and Talent Management at Banco Santander for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Dan. That's been a pleasure.